Yo, what's good, people? It's Jay Cactus, and we're back again with the fourth episode of Cactus Convos. Today, I've got a really special guest. He's an incredible producer. He has some huge placements like Nave Smalls, Tory Lanes. He does a lot for the producer community, constantly sharing gems. He's big on marketing, customer service, everything that you need to know if you're starting to sell beats. Um, what's good, Gummy Beats? How are you doing, bro? What's going on, man? I'm doing good, man. Glad to be here. Good stuff, man. Man, it's good to have you on. I know I know you've been doing a lot recently, been making beats constantly, posting on social media constantly. I know you must have a million things going on. And there's so much that I want to get through in this episode. I, mean, I feel like you've got a lot of experience. You're very knowledgeable. I'm sure you get constant DMs with people asking questions. So hopefully we can cover most of them. But mm-hmm. I think it makes sense to go right back from the start. I know you've probably told you coming up story a million times, but if you could take me way back to the beginning, a young gummy beats, how did you get into music? Where did it all start? Um, so I grew up around music. I think I, you know, I played guitar before all the, you know, beat stuff. And I probably thought I was going to be a guitarist at some point in my life. Right. And then, you know, I think just, there was this weird era that like everyone started rapping and making beats. And I think rapping first, more people were rapping. Yeah. And then there was a kind of like, everyone would be a rapper. I mean, I've spent a few verses. They're terrible. <laughs> I was going to ask if you, if <laughs> but, you were a rapper. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it's, I was definitely more, I was a producer first, but it's like, you know, you make your first beats and it's like, someone's got to test it out. So, (laughs) you know, why not be me? So, you know, like, you know, I'm sure everyone has like a typical story, whether it's FL or garage band or whatever, just kind of, um, started to make beats. And, uh, I just really fell in love with it real quick. You know, even I remember like all my free time after work, I'd come home like tired and I'll just be starting to make beats. Yeah few years into it, it just got more serious. And all my friends were like, dude, like you need to do something with this, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I started to learn, you know, I started to experiment. It was definitely, there were no podcasts about producing. There was, right. there was nothing, man. It was like this weird, it was almost like, you know, and you hear your parents or older people say like, oh, you need to move to LA or oh, the music industry or the Hollywood or yeah. the movie business, right? It's like these typical weird, uh, advice that people give you and so I went to LA <laughs> because I had the opportunity to and just kind of was around all that and um how old were you at that point uh, I was 21 I was 20 21 somewhere there right so yeah I started making beats when I was like 17 so kind of late okay because like I mean I know kids were like 16 years old and make better beats than me you know because they started when they were like 11 and yeah it, it, it's just a different process uh you know I had like a reason three at this time and um and that's kind of when I started making beats and not counting garage band, I guess. Right. So, um, yeah. And then just starting to parallel, I think it was just like a parallel journey of like, you know, you're learning the business and the networking side getting that experience and also trusting what your path is because I didn't end up becoming an industry producer, uh, maybe later on that's still working on that side, whatever that even means. But, uh, there was like this online thing that was working and it was really weird to, you know, be in LA where you have, you know, some of the most talented people in the yeah. world and it's, it's such a small world. I mean, you go to like, you know, a gym in North Hollywood and you'll be like, Oh shit, that's the guy who wrote that song or, Oh dude, that dude produced this song or whatever. So it's a very small world. They're all like, everyone's playing basketball and working out. So, um, and it's weird when you link up with people and you're like, yeah, I'm actually trying to figure out how to sell beats for $25 online. (laughs) And and they'll laugh at you. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, Oh, it's this. And, but something about it was just like, um, you know, I think it's also self-awareness that happened where, you know, there's no right path other than your own. And you figure out that um, a lot of stress, a lot of just like mental energy uh, is needed to network. And, you know, when you, 
every every week I had like a new place that I'll go to, whether it's yeah. somebody's house or something. And you like you'd make these beats, these songs, and they'd all be sitting on someone's computer. And like, oh yeah, I'm gonna send this to you know Chris Brown because I know six degrees of separation, <laughs> blah blah. blah. And, and all that. And, you know, you have this huge hope and it's great. But at the same time, you talk to people who were successful and um, they were unhappy, many of them. Mostly because of the stress, whether they produced a big song or something, but there was so much stress, you know, with it. Or you'd get a nice check for, you know, 20, 30 grand. And then like, you know, 18 months goes by and they wouldn't get another placement. So I was like, all right, there's something with this online thing where it's like, I started to sell beats a little bit. Yeah. Um, whether it be leasing online, whether it was, custom tracks. I mean, still it's the same to this day, everything you, you hustle and you figure out a way. And I was, you know, I got it to the point where I was able to, you know, pay my bills, so to speak, you know, pay my $600 rent, right. Uh, living, living with a roommate and, um, you know, another, you know, 600 bucks on, you know, food expenses, car, whatever. So it, it was cool. And then, you know, you just started to, um, immerse deeper, right. Yeah. Studying the marketing side. Cause I, I like the sales and marketing side in general of it. And it's, it's cool when you, figure out a way how to do something. Like you have a plan and you experiment, whether it's investing the money, whether it's, uh, you know, a certain just Instagram idea you have or Twitter at the time. And, you know, nine things didn't work, but that 10 thing was the one that changed your life and you leveled up, you know? Right. And that's kind of how it happens. You keep experimenting, trying things. Then like you get to that 10th point that will be that, whether it's the combination of your idea, the timing of it, the music of it, just be like, whoa, boom, that's a level up. Yeah. Whatever that means to you, whether it's your following group, whether it's that, you know, you getting, you know, work, working with better artists, um, finding better clients, that kind of thing. So yeah, man. And since then it's just kind of been a balance of, you know, the online thing, the industry stuff and everything in between, honestly, keep adjusting. Gosh. Yeah. So when you moved to LA, did you move with the intention of working with artists, like trying to get into studio sessions or did you still have the mindset of, I want to sell beats online? I mean, I always, I was trying to build both. Right. And I think right. what worked out was the online thing. Um, because, um, LA is just crazy, man. It, it, it eats you up, you know, it eats you up and you see a lot of situations. And then I moved from there because, um, partially I think my music wasn't ready for sure. Yeah. To some point, I mean, as far as the industry level, I mean, I mean, I've been making beats for over 10 years and only now I, I started feel, feeling this year that I, uh, you know, my beats are industry level ready really? in general. And that's why when I got a first, you know, industry placement, I think that's when it happened. So, you know, when you talk to younger people who are like, Hey man, I've been making beats for six months. I'm ready to <laughs> say, dude, you're not. Yeah. Right. I mean, even things, you know, sometimes people get luckier, things might happen as well, but then you're not ready on all the sides of understanding, um, you know, how to act in the industry, how to even like a lot of personal stuff. I've been in like, um, you know, sessions where, um, you know, someone was like, Hey man, like you're, you're flirting with this girl. I'm like, no, I'm not, but they, <laughs> that's what they see. And then, yeah. so there's a lot of like that type of shit too, you know, where the politics um, that come with it. Yeah. 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 The politics, all, all, all of that. So, um, I was just like, yo, this is not for me because yeah. like, I want, I want control. And like, in the end you step back and you're like, okay, what do I really want? Because I had friends that were, you know, producing big songs and they were like, oh shit, I got to fly to Atlanta. Oh shit, I got to fly to New York. And you're like, wait, that's what everyone wants. Yeah. And it looks really cool from, and this is just my perspective to somebody that is their, their dream. Like traveling is cool and all that, but uh, there's so much stress and politics that were within that. I was like, look, I want to just do it, you know, be able to you know, pay my bills. I want to do what I want whenever I want. And if I want to travel, that was kind of like, I'm really into traveling and it's, it's dope to, you know, fly to Hawaii 
um, you know, relax, hit the beach, open up your laptop, make some beats at the hotel, you know, wake up in the morning, you know, drinking coffee, you, you get a sale. So like, I, I always make it a goal when I travel that whatever amount of money I have in my bank account, yeah. I want to return with at least that amount. So if I spent, you know, $2,000 on, you know, that trip, right. if I come back and I have that, I made that $2,000 back from sales and all that. That's a good trip, you know, Yeah. because most people have to take, you know, time off from their job, not make money and spend money as they're going. So that's the beauty of it. You know, it's, it's never ending. And, it, and that's like a great feeling. And that's what I, when I started experiencing that, that's kind of where I started chasing. And just like, Hey, I want to do what I want to do wherever I want to go and have the freedom uh, of, and th that's what the online side brings, right? Yeah. Where when you have that set up, you balance it out. You know, sometimes I'll have days where I'm just, you know, I don't feel like making music. I'm, you know, studying marketing or something. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's the key freedom. That was always the main thing for me. I always told myself when I got to a certain age, that I just, I hated the idea of working for someone. And no disrespect to anyone that's working a, a nine to five, you know, everyone's got bills to pay. I, I did it for a long time as well. But every mm -hmm. time I was in that job, it was stressing me out because I was like, this is fucking bullshit. I've got answer to someone that I don't like. I'm doing some, putting all this energy into something that's not really for me. And yeah, it just wasn't my calling. I think that's the thing as well. Some people are really happy just going to a nine to five, having that security, getting that wage at the end of the month. But yeah, for other people, yeah. it's like the worst nightmare. And I think with the traveling thing, like you said, it looks luxurious when you see people taking a quick snap before they get on a plane or making a beat abroad somewhere. But that traveling time isn't that fun when you're waiting in the airport and you're actually on the plane for all yeah. those hours and being away from home for so long because... A lot of people like myself, I, I like the comfort of my own home. I like having that freedom, being able to to make a beat, do what I need to do at my home. And, you know, I think that's just a personal thing, isn't it? Some people might like the traveling, but other people just like the comfort of their own home, right? I mean, we, I mean everyone should love their home, man. If you, if you love your home and the comfort of it, then that's, yeah. that's a blessing, right? And I think that, um, you know, you really in, enjoy that moment so much even to the point where I remember I wanted to rent a, you know, like a, a office space or studio space or something, but it's yeah. just like, even funny things like, like I have, I have a separate place now where I work cause I'm a family. So it's okay. a separate place. And, um, you know, it's like, I still got a bathroom here. I got a shower here. <laughs> I don't need to take a shower or something like, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. it's just very comfortable. I'm not like in some office building, like sharing a bathroom with a bunch of people or whatever. <laughs> so it's definitely, um, as you grow, you know, there's certain, you know, perks of the, the comfort that comes with it. Of course. Yeah. So are you, are you producing mainly in the same building then, or is it a completely separate building where you're doing your work or do you do it all from home? All from here, man. This is pretty much, I'll, I go to the studio a couple times a week with uh, certain people that are on the studio and we'll, like collab on beats or, uh, yeah. you know, things like that. But that, that's just like, I've been recently doing that just to kind of, uh, get that one day a week to mix it up, you know, where right. I get out of my routine and travel, you know, or just take like a, you know, take an Uber somewhere. And, Gosh, yeah. um, I, I did it more for like the, the mental just kind of balance of it all. Yeah. Do you find it hard to separate work from home in a way? Cause I feel like sometimes when you work at home, it, I find it hard to relax because I'm still in a working environment. So sometimes if I'm just relaxing, if I'm just watching Netflix or chilling, I feel so guilty. I feel like I should be doing something. I should be checking my DMs, replying to emails. I feel like I should constantly be doing something. I'm sure you get the same. It's funny because I, I, I guarantee you that majority of the people have the opposite effect where because they're so comfortable in their home, they can't get in the mindset of, you know, okay, I need to work because you wake yeah. up in your underwear 
and you're like, you sit down at the computer and it's so easy to get distracted and watch a movie or whatever, look at memes. Right. Yeah. But when you, when you have that ambition, that's what I say. It's like, you can't, uh, you know, feed that ambition to anyone. You can't give it like, you just have to have it inside where it's like, I don't have days off. Yeah. You know, it's like every day I'm going to do at least something and the business keeps working, whether it's, you know, dealing with Instagram shit, <laughs> whether it's, um, <laughs> creating content. I mean, like yesterday I had a video guy here, uh, you know, just simply we were rec recording stuff for like three hours. I didn't, and the music that I was making wasn't even necessarily something that I might even use later on. It's just like, Hey, I need to create some content. Yeah. He'll edit the video in, in, you know, a few days or whatever in a week I can post it. Yeah. Right? And that's just an extra piece of content I have of that I need to make. And there's no way to calculate the ROI on that. It's just for brand, right? That's right. Um, just having that variety. And so when you have that ambition, I think that, yeah, you're just always wanting to work and you, you know, it's people who work a lot. Also, you have a, it's a challenge to figure out how to relax, but I think, you, you know, it's through self-discovery. You'll figure it out whether you do it for like a whole week. Yeah. Like to me, the whole um, nine to five aspect, like Saturday and Sunday is not enough for me to relax. Cause like you look at most people, in that routine, if you go to the mall or something on Saturday, you'll see everyone's like rushing and trying to get their groceries and buy whatever the winter jacket they need. And Sunday they relax and it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's not really anything like, you don't. it's like, you didn't even really relax. You were just, it's just the fucking rat race. Right. So it's like, if you do my whole thing is like, if I do want to relax, I will go and like take a vacation for like a week and just get away from everything and just actually enjoy it. And then come back with a whole new energy and a whole new mindset, you know? Yeah. It's like a refresh, isn't it? Especially if you're traveling, you'll get new experiences and you come back with a fresh mind. You might implement new ideas that you've had. Every three months, I try to do that. Whether it's, you know, it doesn't have to be somewhere, you know, nice or exotic. It can be like, sometimes I'll go to my grandma's house for like five days. Yeah. You know, I'll, and um, just be in that because of how, I mean, my childhood, you know, obviously being with family and all that. And sometimes, you know, you do something really dope and go somewhere super far. So it's bouncing both and having gratitude for each situation that you need to do. And I think it's healthy to do that. People say, oh, like, I don't have money for this or that. Like, it's not about that. You can go take a car and, you know, go somewhere in the wilderness for half a day. That's enough right? to get enough energy, to recharge, to get away from your phone. And just because we keep repeating ourselves, mm. we try to, we want to, we're always trying to create something new. Like, okay, I want to create, um, I mean, aside from the creative music part, but the business side, whatever I want to, you know, like, what am I doing for black Friday? And we keep doing the same shit. And subconsciously yeah. we keep repeating ourselves. So when you get away from it all, even for half a day, it's enough to where, and you come back, you're like, okay, cool. I recharged, got some energy, did something different. Let me look at the same problem from a different perspective. Right. And I saw a post that you, that you put out recently about doing things with intent as well. So for example, like you said, if you're going to go for a walk, go into the park, maybe leave your phone at home. So then you're not checking your DMs and it's literally just a place where you go to clear your mind because sometimes I'll do that. I'll, I'll say to myself, right, I'm going out to get some fresh air, but whilst I'm out and walking, I'm on my phone going through my DMs. or just basically still working. So it's not really clearing your mind, is it? You're just walking and working. Yeah. And then, and the thing is you're like half ass working anyway, because what happens in the end is that you didn't really get your fresh air yeah. and you didn't really do anything. Right. right now, if you went through the intent of like, sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to do a lot of, let's just call it Instagram shit, right? Or shit in my phone. Yeah, yeah. I will, and I'll be like, but I want some fresh air. I'll go to the park. I'll sit on the bench and I'll be like, Hey, I'll get a coffee. And I'll be like, Hey, right now I'm drinking coffee outside, getting my fresh air and I'm, you know, editing my, this video or I'm doing whatever. Right. Right. So like everything you do and the same thing with beats, because a lot of times you ask how many beats do you make a month? There's a, it's always, you know, the quantity versus quality thing, mm. but it's both. 
And the reality, it's both. It's the world we live in. Right. And that's the whole thing where it's like when you open up a bead, but you're checking your phone or it's dinging or something every five, you know, yeah. and we're not all that popular. It's not like your phone's going off crazy. <laughs> right. But it, it's more like the subconscious thing of like, Oh, like people even have trippy shit in their head. Like they think their phone, their phone is vibrating in their yeah. pocket when it's not yeah, yeah. right. It's just like w- weird things like that. So we have to battle that man, because it's so hard to organize yourself. Um, because when you grow up in a world where everything is dictated from when you're a child, so there's always this authority figure, uh, teacher, uh, police officer, the law, um, your parents, right? So, and then you have a boss, right? Who tells you what to do. So when you're like, it's the irony where someone can work at a job and be like, oh shit, my boss coming. I gotta, you know, do this thing. Right. But when you're trying to build your own business, you can't motivate yourself to do that because you have to tell yourself, you have to be your own boss and tell yourself to do this, this and that. And you're not doing that. So Close, that's the, yeah. I think that was like the hardest, hardest transition, especially for many people to continue dealing with that, you know? Yeah, definitely. So did you have a job before? Music or was music your source oh, of income yeah, all the time? Oh man, I was a hu- I used to sell Pokemon cards when I was a kid. <laughs> I used to sell everything. Hustling from a young um, age. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely it was definitely in me. I was lucky lucky with that. Like I can sell, you know. Uh, yeah. But the crazy shit is with music. It's not really a hard sell. It's not something where like I used to. So I I, I unloaded trucks for two three years. Um, I sold door to door, all this random, like I went through all that bullshit phase. Yeah. I sold cars for three years and that, I learned a lot selling cars because that was a different, that is a hard sell where someone comes in and you know, you, you can't let them go. If, if they'll leave, they, there's like a 10% chance they'll come back and buy a car. Right. It's here now. And you learn that here now, but at the same time, when you're confident in your product and you're confident in yourself and you understand the human side of it, mm-hmm. instead of pressuring the person, you learn, because you can't do that with beats. You can't be like, hey man, like if someone's like, hey, I want to buy this beat. You're like, send me money now. Send me like, yeah, you know, yeah, of course. then it looks like you're this desperate producer and you're, you're hurting your brand because it's like this weird thing. Like you got to be this cool and calm and collective per- producer, right? It's one thing when there's an upsell, right? When someone's like, you know, they're trying to buy something from you. Like, hey man, I'll tell you what, I can give you a deal if you get this and this and that. And you can try to go for the upsell. So there's a selling aspect, Yeah. but uh, it's totally different. It's a different approach. So you work more on like building your brand and your image and all that. And just being a person, like the humanization is just the biggest way to win right now because everyone's, everyone's trying to automate and there's good automation and there's bad automation, yeah. right? And people and forget you, that you when you're on these platforms that. like Instagram or YouTube or anywhere, there's a human being at the other end. People think that because technology is in between, they, they get rid of that human aspect and they can start spamming people and just doing things that they wouldn't really do in person. You know what I mean? Like spamming, like when people just send you DMs and just spam your links, like you, you wouldn't walk up to someone in the street and just throw something in the face. It's that same kind exactly. of thing. Or maybe sometimes you do. You used to get those people that would try and sell you mixtapes like right in the street, but they- Yeah, yeah. But I mean it's it's people are more like timid now too because you yeah. know, everyone's got their headphones on on their little fucking scooter and like you know, <laughs> you know, it's different. And um, you know, same time I remember I had this moment where I needed to buy, I think it was a vacuum cleaner. It was something along the lines of that. Right. And I went to the store and there was like 50 different, va- I didn't even know there was that many vacuum cleaners. <laughs> and this is something that like, I don't want, this is something I need. Like my vacuum cleaner broke. I need to buy a new one. Right. I'm not trying to spend a bunch of money. I'm just trying to solve the problem. Yeah. And you know, like right, right away before you even get there, it's like the person comes up, Hey man, can I help you? And all this stuff. And it's like, most people don't really like that anymore. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, we're, there's like this weird awkwardness where like, you're trying to figure out how to right away avoid this person right. at this fucking place that his, his job. Yeah. And it's like, in reality, I remember I had buyer's fatigue. It was actually a really good, um, 
like this business lesson because uh, there were so many different kinds. I was obviously trying to also get a good price. Even like, I mean, when the, you see the price crossed out, it works. Yeah. Right. When there's a better price. And in reality, I left without a vacuum cleaner that day because there was just too many options. There was too much bothersome shit. And like later on, I just went online and fucking ordered it. Right. Right. So we have to like, it's good to go out in the world and you, you can learn from every little thing from whether you're buying a cup of coffee to a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> right. Because you can apply it to your business and understand, Hey, this bothered me. What if I might be repeating this mistake and bothering my potential customers yeah. by doing these certain things? So we have to always observe in sales, regardless, you're always selling yourself wherever you're working, whatever you're doing. 100%. Uh, to me, from watching your content and listening to you, it seems like you're big on customer service, which I am as well because I come from a sales and customer service background. So my previous job, I was an account manager. So I was looking after high-end clients like Harley Davidson um, and like mm -hmm. big security companies, but I also had to upsell as well. So a big part of it was customer service. And I think that's what's helped me set up my business as well, just being huge on customer service and going out the way to help people, not even just the small things that people expect, but just going completely out of your way to help these people. Mm -hmm. So where did mm -hmm. you get that value from to know the importance of customer service? Is that from your previous roles, maybe car salesman job? I'm sure it was something to do that, but with also with music, there's this extra emotional side right. um, because it's un the more you talk to artists and realizing that like, they're just, just like you. Like if you go back to when you were starting out, you're this vulnerable, you know, kid who makes beats trying to figure stuff out. You might be, you have all these, you know, complexes in your head, uh, psychologically, uh, about, you know, putting stuff out on the internet like this. It's just, it's a weird thing when you're like, when you see certain friends who are just, let's call them regular people, right. With a hundred followers yeah. and they go out of their way to like, try to look really cool on the internet. Right. right? And it's this, it's like high school all over again, but you're 30 <laughs> and it's, it's weird because like I do it for my business, right? Like I have something to sell, I'm building a brand, but like even regular people do it. So you start understanding and studying like what everyone's doing and people are vulnerable and they're, they get jealous and all, all the, all these emotions that are normal. And you start understanding that, Hey, these are just artists, like some artists in Ohio, you know, who is trying to, you know, make it. Yeah. And he's already like, you know, he buys a beat from someone and like, he can't even reach out to that producer a lot of times and, you know, get a response or anything. Right. So when you go that extra mile and you just go like, Hey, I'm a normal person, give him an audio message, right. You know, send him a little video message. Something. Yeah. It's your time. Yeah. That's the hardest thing where it's your time. But understanding that that one minute of your time builds so much more trust than any fucking deal you can present, any coupon, any typical marketing thing, any ad on Facebook that you can do, you can't do it. Like th that is going to go way, way more farther. Yeah. Because they understand that they respect that. Oh man, he's in the time to say, Hey John, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. You know? Right. And I think, um, people always skip that step. And it's the same way that you'd want, just like if you were sitting in a restaurant and like, you know, uh, the waiter was really extra nice and said, Hey man, like I spilled my beer. Like they give you an extra beer. Like you'll be like, Hey man, here's, you're going to give them an extra tip if you're a good person. Right. Of course. Yeah. And it, it's just like the way you want to be. And if the person was kind of half-assing like, here's your food and that's it, then you're just going to give them the basic tip or no tip. Right. And it's the same thing because when you start thinking beyond tomorrow and knowing that, Hey, if I do these several things, that artist is going to stay with me for five years. It doesn't mean he has to buy all his beats for me. Right. But he's going to buy more beats for me and work with me simply because of these extra things that I've built around my brand other than just selling a beat. 
Because in business, it's always about solving a problem. Selling a beat is not a problem, unfortunately. Yeah. Like our product is not that good. Like right. it's not like, oh my God, I need this beat or else like, no, I'm getting kicked out of my apartment. No, yeah, they have yeah. way more other problems to solve on top of this. So like when you create an interesting experience, interesting buying experience around what they're doing, then they're going to want to come back because they feel comfortable. Of course, yeah. It definitely adds a much more personal experience. And I feel like a lot of people let it slip at that point. People might get a few thousand followers. They might get a big placement. And then they think they're the best producer out there and they don't have to reply to people anymore. I think they're too big for that shit. And then I, I see so many yeah. people do it. And yeah, it definitely definitely makes them slip at some point. Because like I said, people definitely sure. remember that. If you go out of your way to give some, like even just some great feedback, just replying to a DM, asking them to send their music over, you'll listen to the music, give them some feedback, you know, let me know when you're working on your next project, then they're going to remember that. And the next time they're working on an album or a mixtape, they're going to be like, you know what, Gummy's coolie. He responds to my DMs. His beats are good anyway. So let me check his story again and see what he's saying. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. But whilst we're on the topic of kind of getting beats to artists, um, other than customer service, what I know you're big on marketing as well as a whole. So what do you do mm. right now in terms of marketing? I, I did see a post at one point. I think you still run ads on SoundClick. Is that right? I haven't for the last, pretty much this whole year, but I'm, I plan to again. I'm kind of, after the whole COVID thing, I, I kind of just took a, a pause on spending a lot of money on ads simply because I needed to adjust and see what's going on in the world right. because I didn't want to spend a bunch of money on ads and people would see it and then couldn't afford to buy it anyway. Yeah. Right. So, and maybe it was a, a partial mistake on my part, but it was just what I assessed in the particular just moment of chaos of right. this year. Uh, but I think everything's kind of evening out overall. And, you know, you notice that many people, you know, started to work at home. And because uh, I did have a few artists who were like, I have several artists that I'll work with. Like they pay me monthly and we'll be working on a project or something like that. Or if they say, hey, we'll do a full album. Yeah. We work out kind of like a payment deal. And like a few people, of course, fell out. and were like, hey, man, I lost my job or blah, blah. And like it's understandable, obviously. Right. Um, so I just had to adjust, but overall, like, I think that, uh, especially after the COVID thing, we have to understand, uh, where everyone is uh, mentally, because when you've been inside your house for six months yeah, and everyone's already in their phone, they're crazy and like looking at screens. So like how responsive are they to ads in general? Right. You know, because there's a reverse effect where you annoy the shit out of someone, somebody with ads and they're like, fuck, I keep seeing this guy. He's <laughs> annoying. And that's something I do not want. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be um, in the face constantly. No. So that's why I went like full, just kind of brand, personal brand work. It's almost like if, if I used to spend, you know, $3,000 a month on ads, Yeah. I was like, okay, let, let me pay myself that extra hundred dollars a day. And let me just do this extra work and follow up, like go through and be like, go through my emails, go through my Instagram. Let me follow up and spend that extra hour uh, to find those people. And it's been working fine. Like my, my year's pretty much evened out yeah. and uh, done well without spending that. So um, the only thing I would spend is like, you know, influencer marketing, right? right. Whether, whether it's doing collaborative projects and that's all negotiated with people, whether it's paying an artist to get on your track, but negotiating, is there going to be content created around that, right? Whether it's producers, whether it's, um, it could be a sample pack, like whatever it may be, or like a beat making video or something, you know, get creative with it. Yeah. But um, I think that's kind of the new realm because I've, I mean, dude, I've talked to people um, who spend crazy money on ads and then you look at their brand after that and you're like, dude, I don't see how your brand grew. Right. Because they saw their ads, it 
may have worked and it might have generated money, but it, it's just in that moment, right? Like it's like, whether it's SoundClick, whether it's Facebook ads, Instagram, whatever, I think everything works, by the way. Yeah. Um, it, YouTube works, SoundClick, Instagram, whatever. It's just a question of you staying consistent at it and understanding what you're doing. So uh, I always bring up, you know, customer acquisition where, especially for a younger producer starting out, you know, you need, when you spend money on ads, you're basically generating um, beat buyers. Yeah. That's your goal. So where it's like you're spending money and like whether you put in 50 bucks on a BeatStars promo, for example, right? And, you know, it, it generated, I don't know, a thousand plays and maybe one person bought a lease for 50 bucks. Yeah. So you made your money back, but a thousand other people heard your music. Right. So when that 50 is circulating, just doing that, it's not making you money, but you're not losing it. And then you add another zero to it. Right. And you keep building that up. It's just, it's all like, it's like charges to the game. Yeah. Right? It's another skill set as well, it, isn't it? You have to get good at marketing. You can't just run an ad and expect to get loads of sales and you can't even expect yeah. to get anything back the first time. Like I, I personally haven't run a lot of ads. I, I know how they work, but I, I do have the mindset where if I'm running ads and spending money, I shouldn't expect to get something back. I should maybe expect to get emails back, maybe build up a contact list, but I shouldn't just expect to exactly. run an ad and then get a sale from that. You have to try different things, And it's things, always right? that question. Yeah, it's like when people say like on SoundCloud, you know, oh, if you spend 200, like to do, do double up your money. Like you, the, the problem with our business is that we can't calculate the return on our investment on everything. Because yeah. for example, let's say I spent $200 on ad it generated several thousand views or plays, right? That person might buy that beat in five months. Right. Right. It's not like that day someone buys the beat. No, because this is the crazy thing that it's like a lot of producers don't understand artists. And that's why I always say like, talk to more artists. There's a bunch of artists out there. No one's talking to them. The more you talk to them, like I'm 31 years old. When I talk to a 21 year old artist yeah. living in Germany, that gives me a whole different perspective because he grew up in a different world. He's 10 years younger than me. How is he working as an artist? He is my ideal client. He's right. my, you know, and a bunch of people like that. So I need to understand not how I think, but how they think and understanding that, okay, it's not like beats just, it's like for when you're a producer and you hear a sample pack, if it's like, if you're a fan of Illmind, for example, right. Mm. And you love his sample packs, you already bought him. And he's like, Hey guys, Black Friday sale. My, here's my new Black Friday kid. There'll be the X amount of people who are like, yo, I'm buying this. Yeah. Because they already know his brand. They like, they know what's inside that pack and they're a fan of it. But the artist has to write to the beat, no matter if he's a fan of your, like, even if it's a guy who's bought hundred beats for me, he's still gonna be like, yo, that beat is dope. Something clicked, but I got to write to it. Now his writing process may be one day. It might be fucking one year. Yeah. You know, and understanding that. So when you're trying to calculate your ads, but you know, that new person who found out about you, maybe in 12 months, he becomes a bigger fan of you and says, Hey man, you know, I've leased, you know, two beats from you in the past. Um, you know, I got a budget, you know, I saved up. I'd really like to do an exclusive album. I don't want to lease, you know, um, you know, how much do you charge? And you're like, Hey, it's 500 to beat. And you're like, Hey, let's do an EP for 3,500. Yeah. Right. And now, so that one person who found out about you there in a year is now spending thousands of dollars with you. And it's very hard to like, have faith in that when you don't, you know, see it at first, but like you have to just understand that you keep doing that and keep people keep coming up, you know, from all that work that you put in. So it's a long-term, you know, thing completely. Of course. Yeah. It's a slow process. And like you said, it's, it's hard to monitor it in a way because people might come back a year later and buy a beat. You just can't really, yeah, it's just hard, too hard to pull the figures on that one, isn't it? You might get some instant sales, but that's not the long-term game. Like you said, 
Exactly. That's the thing. It's, and, and the way to look at it is like, you know, um, this is the best way to kind of make it, have it make sense in your head. Think about if you're opening up any uh, physical business, a physical store, uh, a coffee shop, a pizzeria, whatever, right. you'd have to invest. In, it's almost like you're buying your business, yeah. essentially. Right? Like if I were to start a new brand or something, I'd, and I'd say, hey, I have $10,000 saved up. Like I'm going to spend you know, $2,000 every month for the next five months on marketing, on ads, experimenting different things. And I'm going to learn a whole bunch because the knowledge you get from all that experimentation is the biggest win. Yeah. Because, you know, you can spend that money on other shit, you know, now most people don't have $10,000. I understand that completely because, you know, but it's not like this is business. It takes money to start something. So you have to figure out a way. Don't, don't complain that, Oh, I live in this place. Or like, I know people who are living in much worse situations. Yeah. Right. Who have made, who made it happen. So it's just a matter of how much sacrifice you're willing to take and how bad do you want it? You know, yeah. are you willing to wear the same fucking shoes for three years and not even worry about clothes, not even right. worry about what kind of phone you have, but like, Hey, every extra penny is going into this because it will all come back tenfold. And it comes back like, you know, later, I'll give you an example, man. Like, um, I had a moment where, you know, I was making like $2,000 a month, something like that. Right. Average. Yeah. Um, and it was, and I, I realized that like, okay, it's for me to take it to the next level uh, I have to like invest more. It's just a simple numbers game, right? Like I got to invest more into ads. I got to invest more into building my brand. It costs money. Yeah. And I spent, I started just everything. Man. I lived very low key, you know, just, you know, uh, grilled chicken, <laughs> like rice. And like, I don't know. I just, I would, I didn't even care what I was eating. Like I didn't care what I was drinking. Like nothing it was just cool. I have a jacket. I'm, I'm fine. Um, and you know, from that, that built up my business where I started making five figures a month after, you know, 18 months of doing that. Yeah. And literally like, you know, on a personal level, you know, I got married, you know, I had a kid, everything kind of fell into place. Like I bought two properties cash within two years. It's crazy. But, and like, it's, it's funny because the people around, you know, my relatives, whatever, like, Oh man, like how much money are you making? Like, <laughs> it's not that like, I got lucky for sure. It, but it was, it was all that like seven, eight years of work accumulated. Yeah. You create and your all own that luck. money invested. There may, might be a certain yeah. bit of luck in it, but at the end of the day, you do create your own luck. And like you said, if you were putting everything into it, you weren't spending money on stupid things. You weren't buying clothes, a new car, everything. You were investing everything into yourself. So it seems like luck, but you did that yourself. It's just people don't, the, the crazy shit is people don't see what you didn't do. Yeah. Right. They only see what you do. Right. So they didn't see you sacrifice this or not get this or, Hey, I didn't like, I haven't had a car for fucking 10 years. Really? There's nothing wrong. I'm in a car. Yeah. And I still, to this day, I can afford to buy pretty much any car. Yeah. But I still, that's one of the things that I sacrifice in my life because that's the choice I make. Because if I have that extra money, it's going into my business. Right. It's going into the future. It's going into other ventures because I don't know if I will be gummy beats when I'm 48 years old. Yeah. <laughs> like that's also something I have to think about. Right. And I don't want to have a moment where like, I know producers who used to make 10 K a month and are now working a job and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's because they just got carried away. Yeah. They didn't think about it. So like you have to still live very low key and like treat yourself. It's okay to treat yourself in whatever you like in certain moments, but you still have to have that discipline. Yeah, That's the 100%. biggest thing. I did something similar when I finally quit my job last year. It was a risk. I'll be honest, I didn't have a big game plan. Like I thought I had a game plan, but I didn't really have a game plan. But I just knew because I was working for five years and thinking about it every day, I knew I had to do something. So I saved up a ton of money. And then on that day when I quit my job, I, I'd like 
my phone contract was up, so I didn't get another phone. I just got a SIM only contract. I got rid of my car. I stopped buying stupid stuff. And that's when I started to put everything into just growing my business. And then over the space of a year, I've managed to actually be earning a living off music, but I still haven't got the mindset where I'm like, right, I've got money. I can buy what I want now. I'm still in the mindset of kind of being broke and being like, I shouldn't spend this because next month I might get, I might not get the same amount of sales next year. I might not get the same amount of sales. So I shouldn't be spending money now. Well, it's like, you know, when the, there was an interview with this billionaire guy, I don't remember who he was. And they, they asked him like, it was right when, you know, the, the coronavirus thing happened. And there was like, how do, how do we prepare for something like this financially? Yeah. He was like, you should have prepared for it a year ago. Yeah. Because if you study history, you know that every eight, 10 years, some shit goes down. Right. <laughs> like whether it's a stock market crash, real estate, people lose their job, all that. So it's like knowing, especially in our business where it's not like, you know, you're not selling bread and eggs where everyone still needs that. Yeah. Right. So like there's ups and downs when it's fucking good. You know, if you made $13,000 in a month, live on 3000, tuck that 10 K away somewhere. Right. Go invest in this. I don't know, whatever, whatever you feel you need to do. Right. Like it's the whole rainy day fund. Like it's going to fucking rain, you know, and it's very, it's all these little things as a mindset. And the hardest thing is majority of people grow up in this typical family or whatever, and they don't have these uh, thoughts. They don't have these conversations in their family. Yeah. So you know, they don't know how to live, what to do. You know, they see that, Hey, like they, this person financed the house. Well, everyone finances. No, they don't. You don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, there's no, or they see something online. The problem is there's so much information on the internet and so many opinions, including mine. You know, if I say something that you disagree with, that's okay. It might not be fit for you. Right. It's like a question I was studying real estate and all that kind of investing. They're like, Oh, it's really stupid to pay cash for something. Right. For how you should, even if you have the money. It's different mentally because I listened to another thing, a guy say, um, like for me, for example, I paid cash for where my family lives and I know for the rest of my life, they have a place to live and I don't have to pay rent. Right. That to me personally is a very huge security and stress off my chest. Definitely. Now, if I decide to invest five grand, if I paid an artist five grand to do something and he fucking stole my money, I'm not going to end up on the street. I just lost five grand. Yeah. Right. If I invest in the stock market, whatever it is like adjust it to how you think mentally and how, what is your risk factor for you? And that's it. There's no right answer. When people, there's too many people taking screenshots of selling their beats and all this shit. And it confuses everyone because adjust it to you. Because if you, you know, people ask, well, how much should I sell exclusives for? What, first of all, you're worth what you're worth. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you can, but it's also humbling yourself and figuring out, Hey, here and now is also a really good phrase because if someone, if I have $500 on a beat on my website and someone messaged me and says, Hey bro, like I got 250, that's 250 that I can make today versus me thinking maybe now oh. it doesn't mean I'm going to sell it. If it's a beat that I believe in, that's going to make way more. I'm not going to do that because I have the security to do it. Cause I don't need 250 today. Yeah. But if I had a certain personal goal saying like, Hey, I need $25,000 for blah, blah, blah. You know, I need to sell hundred beats at 250. Right. right. Or 250 beats at hundred or whatever it is. So adjust it to your personal goals and you will execute. That's all that matters. Not what someone else, no one's really watching you. Yeah. And they're like this weird thing of like people are, no one's really watching you that heavy, you know? So adjust it to what you feel is right. If you can figure out how to sell dollar beats and make a million dollars, go for it. Let everyone hate you. Yeah. Like it's, you know, <laughs> people are doing it all the time. So it figure out what sense. you need to do and adjust your goals. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's your personal goals, isn't it? Like you said, it's what you, you think you're worth. Cause I get that question a lot about how much should I sell my beats for, but 
mm-hmm. it, it just depends on on your on what you're going through at the moment. Maybe you, maybe you need money. Like say for example, if someone people have offered me fifty dollars for a beat in the past, and I've I've sold the exclusive just because I didn't have any other mm-hmm. money and I had bills to pay. It yeah. just comes down to that current situation, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You keep on moving. Yeah. It's there's ri- no, there's no right, you know, a- answer to that other than your, your own answer for that adjusting to it. And it's also humbling because when the whole like leasing thing started, you know, uh, and there was like several sites before beat stars or whatever. And there would be people who are like, you know, maybe even industry producers who've produced for certain people and, you know, they'd have a price like, you know, $3,000 for a beat or whatever. And you can put whatever price you want on your little website, but yeah. it doesn't mean anyone's paying that. No. You know, I'd rather sell a hundred beats at $300 and make $30,000, you know, off exclusives in a year than sell three beats at 3000 and make nine. Right. Right. So it's just adjusting to also today's world. Um, you know, even when I first started making beats, kind of after leasing thing a few years into it, I had a, about a year and a half where I just sold exclusives. I think it was particularly because the style I was making at the time was just like very, you know, specific. And it yeah. was just like that person's like, yo, uh, and the economy was very good. And people had, you know, four or 500 bucks to pay for a beat. And I had like consistent, you know, uh, artists that were buying, you know, once a month all the time. So like I was making four or $5,000 a month, Joe, off exclusives, just, you know, selling 10 beats a month. Yeah. And then when the economy switched, you know, when phones are costing a thousand fucking dollars and, you know, um, everything is financed, we got in this crazy and the, you know, the, you know, people aren't making more money. So we had to adjust where last year, I had $40,000, over $40,000 in payment plans for artists who I was making, whether it was custom beats, whether it was exclusive beats or something around the long lines of that. Yeah. Where instead of them, and that's a sales tactic because now in my weird world of music, you know, these are young people who are working out of, you know, somewhere like they're not, you know, born with a bunch of money. So if they, even if they right. got their shit together, you know, maybe they're going to school or whatever they got, you know, four or 500 bucks tops a month. Right. You know, to spend on, on their music, right? Plus they got to record and make videos and we don't think about any of that shit too, how much money it costs to do all that stuff, right? Yeah. And pay for promo. So it's like, you know, I had to adjust and be like, look, man, I would upsell people to, you know, hey, I'll tell you what, like, let's do a project. Like you, when you talk to someone for 10 minutes, you can pretty much figure out like financially where they're at. Of course, yeah. And you can kind of make a thing of like, look, man, tell you what, you know, give me $300 deposit and we can start working. Let's let $3,000 you know, I can do for this amount of beats, you know, can you do 300 a month for 10 months? Right. And that's very comfortable for someone. $3,000 right away. He doesn't have it. It's just crazy to spend that money. Right. So you adjust it to be 300 a month. Cool. Because he knows he's got his paycheck on the first and he can send me $300 comfortably. And now you have a guarantee, at least somewhat of a guarantee, right? If everything goes okay. And he's now focused on this project. So it's actually good for both sides. Yeah. You know, it's smart that you're adjusting to the times because even, even mm. in, in any business, it like um, subscriptions and leases weren't as popular as they are now, especially with like things like rent to own, even with plugins, yeah. like you can get oh, certain yeah. output plugins, you can rent them until you own them. So it's just a, just into the times really, isn't it? And, and they did, they did it perfectly, you know, adjusting to the times. Yeah. 
I just rented uh, something on, on Splice. I, don't, I was just like, I want to try. It was like five bucks for like, I don't even know. I want to try it because yeah. a lot of times too, I can afford to buy it, but it's not even about that. It's also being smart because a lot of times I'll buy a plugin for like, you know, a hundred, whatever dollars, 150 bucks, and I'll use it three times and forget about it. Right. So I was like, let me rent. Like now literally, I just like, let me rent it. I was RC20. I was like, let me rent yeah, it. Yeah. I used it for three weeks for five bucks. And I was like, cool, it's cool. I like it. Maybe I'll buy it. Maybe I won't, but I'll use it. And now I know what it's about. And I can move on to something else. Yeah. So yeah, adjusting to all that stuff, you know, we have to study the world of how it's going because what's next Right. is a subscription model good for artists, you know, um, is it, or is it going completely opposite and more personal? Because one thing that I'm really, and I don't know how this problem is going to get solved because no one really has the answer. Also, depending in different countries, streaming issues. So like, like I live in Russia and yeah. if you want to post on like the Russian iTunes, whatever, um, you have to show an exclusive contract of the beat that you own it. Really? You can't post least. Yeah. They didn't know that. That's um, crazy. Other, and I don't, I don't even know why they were serious because Russia is like a hacker ass country. I don't know why like <laughs> they even worry about the type of shit, you know, but um, it was interesting. So also issues of like when you lease to beat 20 times to an artist and he goes to post it on, uh, you know, iTunes or distro kid or whatever. And they might say, sorry, this track already exists. Yeah. So there's going to be issues with the ownership and the licensing of things. So how are we going to adjust to that? Yeah. Will, will exclusives come back? Because I feel it's already coming back. Maybe, yeah. There is a big problem right now with with content ID. Even mm-hmm. like on my on my YouTube channel for beats, I've used loops in the past. And sometimes it might have just been a lazy day or the loop didn't need changing, but I've used a loop for uh, from somewhere like Splice. And because I haven't changed it and I've uploaded my beat, a different producer has used the same loop in the past, but because he uploaded his beat and distributed it through like DistroKid first, content ID like registers that track right and then when I uploaded my beat it came through as a copyright claim it wasn't a strike it was just a copyright claim and it said claim yeah you just can't monetize it yeah Yeah, that was right dude I've had it on my own beats where beats that I sold and then like I'd want to upload to YouTube or whatever like six months later for whatever reason and there will be a copyright claim against my own music yeah it's happened to me as well that's crazy yeah I think there's going to be I think it's going to be a huge issue where artists who deal with that one time they're going to be like oh Fuck leasing. I, I want, you know, I, there might be some who can afford to do it. Yeah. There's going to be something because leasing first was just like kind of in the SoundCloud era, right? Where people would make a song and post it on SoundCloud. That's yeah. it. They weren't, but now it's like, no one's like, Hey, go check out my SoundCloud single. Everyone's like, Oh, it's got a stream on all platforms, all that thing. And they want to monetize. Even if they make five bucks, they feel cool. Right. Of course. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes then, because if that, that can be a main thing for some artists like streaming revenue, <laughs> Uh, they, they just don't want to see copyright claims anyway, do they? So if they don't get that fixed, then yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe people will move more onto exclusives. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, um, absolutely. I was going to ask you, what are some of the like common maybe mistakes that you see young producers make? Maybe it's marketing mistakes like spamming links or it could be anything else. What are some of the common mistakes that you see people make? Well, definitely spamming links. <laughs> yeah. um, but... I think uh, the biggest, as far as like personal branding goes, just posting beats. Yeah. Where they re- they think it's like, they're just so self-centered. Like these beats are like solving, you know, world hunger or something. <laughs> you know, it's not that big of an issue. A lot of people make beats. And if you just post beats, people can't remember what you're, you know, your brand. Yeah. They might even like the beat and buy it. Right. But if that's it and that person won't come back and know you for what doesn't, he has to have a reason. Like I know that there, I've talked to artists for like, yo, once a week, I just go to gumbeats.com. Yeah. And I'll sit there and I'll freestyle to your beats or whatever. 
Like, right. what is that reason that's going to make them want to go and be like, hey, what's, what's this guy doing today? I want to check his story. You yeah. know? It's not just going to be pictures of beats. Like the little, um, the beat visualizers. It's not just going to be a reel of those that make them remember your face. Your face isn't even on it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, another mistake, I think just not necessarily posting too soon because you can post whenever, but just like really, you know, I mean, it might take four or five years to really get good at what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's normal. Like putting the, and just too early because there's this culture of selling and all this and everyone, it's like this uh, capitalistic kind of behavior right. where it's like, oh, I have to sell. Like, you don't have to. I mean, I'm sure a musician who just makes music for fun is way more happier than me, maybe, right. because he doesn't have to deal with the stresses of all this shit. Even though I like the business side, I think it's just as creative as the music side right? for me, because it's cool to come up with ideas and all that kind of stuff. I like doing that. Yeah. But to other people, you know, or like, you know, looking from just doing things like looking for management when there's nothing to manage. Right. Or like, oh, I need a manager. So like, um, just experiment, like trusting your path, you know, they'll watch this interview and I'll say a bunch of things. They might see another interview or whatever. And you're supposed to not copy and paste ideas. You're supposed to take ideas, adjust them to your brand in today's date yeah. and try it yourself and see how it works for you. Right. Right. Because like, like Twitter is a really good example. A lot of people say, Oh, I don't understand Twitter. And I built my entire business on Twitter Really. at the time. Now that was eight years ago. Yeah. Right. And now Twitter is still really good because everything switches, right? It moved to kind of Instagram, but everything is just videos and pictures and words, right? It's just content. And it's like, where do you consume it? What's comfortable? And then people say, oh, TikTok is out. We got to be on TikTok. Or TikTok. <laughs> and it's the other actually big mistake is, you know, they half-assed their Instagram. And they're like, okay, I'm switching to TikTok. Yeah. And you can't be everywhere, man. Just because you can be everywhere for free doesn't mean you have to. I think that is a huge mistake. Do you think you know, people shouldn't be trying all platforms? Do you think it's not really important for everyone to, to try and go all out on all platforms? I think you should try all of them and then in X amount of time, figure out which ones do you understand the most? Yeah. And go full time, choose, choose two maybe. Yeah. And go full time on building that. Because I had a moment uh, about a year and a half ago where I was like, because I never did YouTube heavy. Uh, if you go right. on my YouTube channel, I don't have a huge, I haven't deleted a lot of beats. Um, but I, I had a moment where I was like, you know, let me drop like, you know, 5,000 bucks on ads and let me, let me try this thing. Right. And, um, I just didn't like a lot of things about YouTube just personally. Yeah. Now YouTube is the big, the biggest fucking platform for selling beats. 100%. Yeah. It's also the most competitive. Of course. Right. Um, so you know that if you got a young thug type B cash money, AP is number fucking one, right? Yes. Or whoever those top guys, right? So like, even if you spend, you know, hundred, 150 bucks on ads, you're still not getting that spot Yeah. in that search. So like taking the time to, as when we grow up, we use things as a user. When you become a business, you use it as a business. And that's the biggest thing where it's like, Hey, um, you know, if you like to look at memes or do, you know, talk to your girlfriend on Instagram, that's great. You know, yeah. uh, have a different account for that if you have enough time for that. But f then you take the next level and be like, okay, let me really understand what is Instagram. I like this platform. Like you choose one you understand. So for me, I had this moment where I even did a few consultations with uh, big YouTubers. Uh, I paid some YouTube marketers. I was like, look, here's kind of my idea. And I made, I spent that money right. and um, my outcome, it was like, I'm not going to do YouTube. Really? Because yeah. Um, and that's just me because I don't like making the videos. I don't, it's not, I'm not good at that shit. Yeah. So like, I'd rather double down on Instagram because it's working really well for me 
And I decided to immerse more into it. I paid some people. I figured out some stuff. Like I learned platform more on a different level than just you, a user level of just sliding and looking at pictures and naked girls. I was like, okay, what is this algorithm? What is this hashtag culture? What is all this stuff? How can I create better content for it and adjust to it uh, in my own way? Yeah. You know, and I doubled down and I'd rather, it's fine that my YouTube is non-existent, but my Instagram makes me pretty much all my money. Right. Because I, it's just what, so all the platforms work. It's just about which one makes more sense for you and where can you just spend five hours a day? Yeah. Just building it up and doing all that shit and getting the most, because statistics matter. It, it, you know, if you have a mediocre following here, mediocre following here, and it's kind of scattered all over, yeah. you know, it's better to just have one page where you have a lot of good numbers right? because they build up even faster after. And if you're investing in another big mistake is like when people spend 50 bucks here and 50 bucks here. Yeah. No, at the beginning, sure. Experiment, but then really figure out like if you're going to spend money on ads or building even influencer marketing, like if it's YouTube, uh, go collaborate with the top YouTubers, go figure out how you can, you know, cross promote content on that. So you get, you know, your search works. Like how does this, you know, vid IQ and how does all that shit work yeah. in your favor? So I, because you can't, do everything, man. Especially yeah. majority of people are working a job parallel building their online business. It's easy to watch Gary Vee talk about using all platforms and just uploading as much content as possible on all platforms, but people yeah. really don't have that much time. I heard you say in a different interview that, I think you mentioned that Gary Vee kind of mindset, yeah, yeah. but you did mention that he must have a team that's putting all this content together. So he might do of one course. long form of content and then he'll have someone chop it up for him because it does take time to do that. You can get your long form of content, whether it's it be insane. a podcast or a YouTube video, but then chopping it up into other content and putting everything together. It can take time away from doing what you need to be doing and even just taking exactly. time away from making music because I, I do YouTube videos yeah. and they, they take a long time to be to, to film it for once and then editing it and then rendering it and then uploading it, doing the thumbnail, the tags, everything. Video, and, video content is insane, dude. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And it's one, and like, can you afford to, you know, be paying people to do that for you or hire people yeah. uh, to do all these certain things that you can't as you're building your business. So, and that's the thing Like Gary Vee, I used to listen to Gary Vee, like dude, like before he even was Gary Vee. Yeah. Um, and I learned a lot from, him. I really like him. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the whole culture he creates of saying you just post and post and like, he, it's very easy when you have a lot of money back behind it and all this other stuff. And already he was famous. He had best-selling books, right? Right. And I, I disagree. A lot of things, I like what he says and most of the stuff is great and he's genius. But I disagree with the whole posting everyday thing because I think that um, there's also exclusivity when you post less. Right. When you, and then there's the other thing of like, oh shit, I have to post today. And then you're, you create some kind of half-assed content and it's Just not good. For the sake of it. So yeah, like when people say, like I have people messing, you know, I'll make my little rant, you know, minute videos on Instagram when just a really good thought comes about that I want to share. Yeah. And I have 10 videos on my phone right now that I'm going to delete Right. that I'm not going to post because I don't think they're good enough or maybe just didn't fit or maybe I had something in my beard. <laughs> like it's, fu it's funny, but like it's, it, it can happen, you know, yeah. like my kids yelling in the back. So, um, and I think it's like, if there was a daily dose of like a gummy beat rant every day, it would be too much. Right. It would it wouldn't be as interesting as if it's every nine and a half days yeah. posted, you know, or like whenever it naturally happens. So or whether it's a beat, because then it gets boring. People are like, oh, it's daily. Okay. Now now it's not as exclusive and interesting as possible with your brand. So I don't think you have you have to post every day at all. So you don't have you know? a structure to how you post. You don't say, right, I'm gonna upload this many times, I'm gonna upload one 
picture, then the next time I'm going to upload a video, the next time it's going to be a quote. I, no think, structure, or? I think I do that kind of subconsciously already where it's naturally, like I have a lot of content, like I'll always be creating content, yeah. but when I post it, I'll definitely figure out, okay, what time should I post it? When I edit it, all that kind of stuff for sure. So like if yesterday I posted a beat, you know, today I might post a, you know, a picture of something else or I'll kind of look through my phone and be like, okay, I'm doing a lot of this. Let me kind of post something about you know, maybe what I'm eating <laughs> or something, something just kind of more just about regular life because it's yeah. kind of more chill, you know? So there's definitely, I think adjusting that. So like not like five beats in a row, not, you know, definitely keeping a good variety of things because when a new person comes on your Instagram and he sees in a screenshot on your phone, you can see like the last nine posts. Right. Right. So like in those nine, he has to look and be like, okay, can you look through a few of them and start liking you? Right. Whether it's the content of your music, whether it's what you're saying, common, whether it's you, combination of all that kind of stuff. I think that's important to adjust. One thing that I struggle with when it comes to posting on Instagram is because I do YouTube tutorials and the YouTube page is growing a lot quicker than like the actual beat side of the business. It's two separate audiences, isn't it? So one side for beats, you're targeting rappers. For tutorials, you're targeting producers to sell kits to or whatever it might be. So sometimes I struggle with what, who do I aim this content at? Because if I'm aiming it at producers, I'm not reaching the rappers. If I aim it at rappers, I'm not reaching the producers, but I can't really mm-hmm. do it for both. Sometimes they cross paths, but it is two businesses at the end of the day, isn't it? So what would you say to that? Absolutely. How would you, because I know you don't do tutorials or anything yourself. I guess you. Yeah, but I have, a, I have, you know, producerpower.org. It's, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, avenue of mine. Of course, you know, yeah. and it, it, it is tough to, to separate the two, like whether it's kids or whatever, and you kind of balance out both. And at the same time, I think with rappers, it's not so much as much content as much as you just in the DM. Yeah. Also, because a lot of times, like, you know, I can post a beat and it might get 20 comments or something. And so people, people have said like, dude, you have, you know, whatever X amount of followers. How come you have so little comments? Like an artist doesn't have to comment. Like, I don't need that emoji symbol. No. <laughs> I need him fire. to message me and be like, yo, that beat is dope. Yeah. How much? And then it goes that conversation. So like my DM is, is pretty packed with, with that kind of stuff. And I think it's focusing more. And then I'll, on days when um, maybe I have less people messaging me or something, I'll go through my messages and I'll be like, I have a follow-up session. So I go, my thing is I like coffee. I like to go to a coffee shop because just kind of get out of, you know, the studio yeah. area and I'll go with my laptop or my phone and I'll be like, okay, three weeks ago, this guy messaged me or emailed me. Um, and just mention, Hey man, what's up? How's it going? Audio message. How's right. it going, bro? Um, you know, Hey, did you end up writing anything to that beat? Did you end up writing a hook? Let me know where you're at with it. So there's a follow-up game with that. And I think it's more of like that kind of stuff versus like, cause like, bro, I don't comment on many fucking posts. Yeah. I, I rarely, I, I have to like know the person or something, you know? So just because someone doesn't comment doesn't mean he's not a customer. Of course. Yeah. You know? Like you said, it all goes down in the DMS, right? It's the most important place. But yeah. And sometimes it's about you DMing them and you engaging at first. That's uh, the biggest mistake. And you asked me about what mistake. The biggest mistake is this egotistical, like musicians have a double ego because everyone has an ego. Yeah. Musicians have this extra ego of like, you know, my name is Mark. That's what my mother named me. But gummy beats is what I named myself <laughs> or whatever. Right. And it's this ego thing of like you post and people are like, why isn't anyone messaging me? Like no one knows who the fuck you are. Yeah. Like even people know who I am. I still go in and I always need new people. Like my goal is always to find 20, 30 new people a day to find out about me. Yeah. Because, and you have to go out and get them. You don't just sit there and wait. Of course. And that's yeah. why I like that, you know, ordering ad is one thing, but like you engaging in an artist and you look searching for artists and you engaging in them, 
and hitting them with a DM saying, Hey man, how's your music going? Or something and starting a conversation. That's how you build, you know, real clients. Yeah. I think people expect that they can just post something and then they just think, right, I'll just wait until all the cash comes in. I'll wait until people DM yeah, me for like the people don't, people don't care. People don't care. There's a million producers. There's a million people who make music, you know, yeah. that same thing with like, it's the whole thousand fans fear theory for artists, especially where, you know, it's one thing if someone like listens to a song and gives it a like, it's another thing to be like, is that person going to go in three days and hum that song? It's going to be like, man, I want to listen to that song again. Right. Like what makes me want to be like, man, I want to listen to Mariah Carey from 1993 and put on that song from Prince of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> Whitney Houston. Like, <laughs> what makes me want to do that? Because it's a fucking amazing song. Yeah. And I'm probably going to do it in 20 years again. Right. Right. Um, so can you build that effect with the music? Or is it also, hey, I like this guy, I like his music, but I also like what he's doing. Like, what what is the culture that he's building around his music? Yeah. And it's sending, whether it's for producers or whatever, like building a culture where it's not just the content, but also just the things you say. And that's why it's so important to, I'm not saying you have to go make videos of you. It can be like, you see, I make, if you look at my content, my best statistics are screenshots of my Twitter posts. Yeah. 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 Of just a sentence of me saying on Twitter, because now it's not always about music. It might be about relationships. It might be a fucking joke. It might be whatever, but it shows that I'm a person and it's like, it creates engagement and people see a certain opinion of my world. I draw the line somewhere like with politics. I'm not going to be like, Hey, I voted for this guy, that guy. I I don't vote, but um, because that can get very personal for some reason. (laughs) I don't know. It's some stupid (laughs) American thing, but um, you know, you figure out where you draw the line with what you post, but it's a lot of times there's like, Hey, I like this guy's mindset. Right. I like what he, what he says, you know, and I want to continue where, because it's like, if you want to art, like at the end, everyone wants to be a Metro Boomin and 21 Savage or a Kanye, Jay-Z, whatever, like that, that yeah. combo, right? Drake and 40. Yeah. So when you're selling beats online, cool. They buy a couple of leases maybe because they like the beat. Right. But what's going to make them be like, man, I want to like work with this dude in the studio. I want to meet this person. I want to, I like what he's talking about. I want his input on my record. Yeah. That is the whole, the only way you're going to create that is by you creating interesting content and just by being yourself because certain people aren't going to like you and that's cool. Don't focus on pleasing them. Double down on the people who are liking you. 100%. Someone might just hate your face. <laughs> like, you know, someone just might not like you for you whatever can't please everyone, can you? Yeah. And people get worried about that shit. And it's like, figure out like, Hey, I like this guy. Like he, like, you know how many people have messaged me like artists um, saying, dude, I like the fact that you're just as you always wear like a regular hoodie and you're just this regular dude. Like I'm not flaunting now to somebody else. Like take a guy. I always like to bring up superstar. O cause I really lo- like superstar. O. yeah. Because it's very, you know, this is a guy who likes to post a lot of, you know, fancy shit, but that's who he truly is. Yeah. And to X it's amount of brand people, in a way, isn't it? It, it's his brand and he can see that he's genuinely this person. Yeah. And to some people, they can either hate on that mm. to other people that that's gives them approval. Like, man, I want to be like him. So I'm going to buy things from him. Yeah. Right. And that's his way. And to somebody else, like, man, I like that you're a regular guy and you don't do all this fancy shit. Right. Because yeah. that's just not who I am. Right? right. And I've thought about ideas of like, uh, an interesting, like marketing experiment where I always say the next nine pictures on your Instagram, nine posts can change your life. Right. And so like, what if I, my next night posts, all of a sudden, you know, I just started being very extravagant, right. Or yeah. whatever, like to some people that would work. They'd be like, Oh man, like I want to work with a producer who's got all this Gucci on and he's very, looks very successful. Right. Right. And that works. That's part of hip hop. 
fortunately yeah. or unfortunately. <laughs> so, but you know, in the end, you, you be who you are. It's easier to to manage that. Yeah, I think, so I, I do think it's more important to just be yourself because it's also hard to keep up with that as well. If you're trying to put on a certain image, you have to almost be that other person every time you're speaking to someone and every time you're posting someone. So that can be exhausting, just not being yourself. It's more tiring not being yourself than it is to be yourself, right? Yeah. I think whilst we're on the topic of social media, I think there's definitely something to be said about how you speak to people as well and how you DM people because I see a lot of people all the time just starting with asking for something without leading with value in a way like it might be a collab it, it could be anything but they're always asking for something it's share my post like let's collab bro and we don't even know these people so what, what would you say to that how can people lead with value they, they got to give give value and have don't expect anything back yeah. in return you know i think that if you it all comes back like you it's just a system of faith that you have to have that's the hardest part because um, you know, I have months that I make, you know, $15,000 a month. I have months that I make $3,500 a month. Yeah. And that's life. That's business. Right. I have months where I'm zero because I might've spent a bunch of, you know, expenses on whatever. Cause like I count, if I bought a new computer, that's an expense on my business. Yeah. I count that. Like I got a little, got my little book right here. Bro. <laughs> this is all my, all my finances, every single thing I, I write down in there. Yeah. And I'll study it at the end of the month and be like, okay, you know, what worked, what didn't work, what, where can I adjust? And so, you know, just, just giving a compliment of like simple going that extra mile of writing a genuine comment on someone's page. Like I always say like the simple thing, things that you can do that doesn't cost you any money is um, look up 30 artists a day. Yeah. And through hashtags, whatever, find them, you got to dig, right? You have to dig, but you do it in your phone. Do it while you're taking a shit in the morning instead of looking at fucking memes <laughs> and, you know, listening to their song and just giving them a real comment. Right. You just now you just got a real artist who you gave enough value to him and you gave enough love to where it's and don't expect that he's gonna buy a beat certain. Just you do that because you do that 30 times a day in a month. That's 900 people. That's yeah. 900 people who just found out about you. It didn't cost you a dime other than your time. And maybe out of those 900 people, maybe 87 of them are gonna go over to your page and check out your music. Maybe right. out of those 87, eight of them are gonna buy some. That's and right, that's just yeah. the game. That's right. You know, and maybe one of, one of those eight people are going to end up being a long-term customer and, you know, doing an album with you in the, in the future. Yeah. So it, it's that, like just giving, giving that love, giving what you want to receive instead of saying, you know, um, or reaching out on business, right? Like figuring out how you can give value. Like how can you go and be like, Hey, I want to get this done. You know, being professional, like don't, don't make mistakes. Don't like be professional Yeah. because people see that. And it's not that hard. I mean, um, you know, there's a certain, I think there's that bridge, that bridging gap of like, you know, when you're in a restaurant and you know, the waiter is respectful to you kind of like, hello, sir. Yeah. You know, type of thing you're in the UK and you know, it's very, <laughs> um, problem. but I've noticed as younger people, it's, it's dying, right? Like I was, I was in, um, I was drinking beer with my friend at a restaurant and like right. this young kid, you know, the waiter came and was like, Hey bro, you need another beer? I was like, don't fucking call me bro. And I didn't say that to him. Yeah. I'm a cool guy. It's fine. I get it. We're in a, you know, a, a bar, all that, but it's wrong for him to talk like that. Right. Because you'd be like, excuse me, sir, do you need another beer? Yeah. And that, that's the thing when you reach out, like you want, everyone wants to be so professional and work with big companies and all that yet. They don't feel like they have to put on their fucking suit and tie for that shit when they, you know, want to message you and you can be cool, whatever, but like those things, you know, be professional. If it's about business, you know, Talk about the numbers. Don't go window shopping. 
Right. You know, figure out, hey, man, this is what I'm trying to do. This is my budget. Can we work something out? Yeah. You know, what would this co- that's the way to do it. You know, because if you don't have value to bring it first, that's how you bring the value. Yeah. Right? I think what you said so, there, even with just saying what's like, I think even just not being afraid to, to spend some money as well. If you want to collaborate with someone that maybe has a bigger platform than you, I think don't be afraid to spend some money. Don't just be, I think because people always want to collaborate with people that are on a, a higher level in a certain way. Maybe they've got more followers. Maybe they've got more placements, but they never want people, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, and, and we get it. We get it. And I do it every month. Yeah. I pay people for things every single month because I want to keep building. Now, I also create a system to figure out how I can leverage all that content that I create as much as possible. Yeah. Right. Um, that's another thing too. Now, whether it's, you know, like the camera guy who's here, you know, me paying him to be like, Hey bro, I'm going to be making beats. Can you film me a few, few hours and we're playing guitar, all that stuff. I don't even know what's going to come out of that. Right. But like, I was like, Hey man, can you, if, if it comes out with a few little pieces of content that I can post for my Instagram story, whatever, that's cool. That's something that I can post next week. Yeah. Right. Or whatever that I don't have to worry about creating content that week or something like that. So you do it ahead of time. Yeah. Certain things. And I think today that's better to figure out now. I'll, I want to give you a concrete, a concrete example uh, because beat collabs are, you know, everyone has this naive hope of like, Hey, I want to pay, you know, cash money AP or whoever for a collab. And because he has a placement with so-and-so now, no one even knows how that happened or what that means. They just see it in his credits. Yeah. Right. They're like, Oh, he knows him. Like I've, I've, you know, like I produced for Tory Lanez. I don't yeah. know Tory Lanez. Right. He probably doesn't know who the fuck I am. How did that? How I mean, did that happen? That placement. Sorry to go off track, but mm-hmm. how did that placement yeah, happen? You, it's a it's a UK placement, right? Is Nave Smalls right? Um, yeah, Nave, yeah, Nave yeah. Smalls. Um, they actually leased the beat for me first. No way. <laughs> um, yeah, they leased it, um, and then like a few months later, the man, his manager messaged me, emailed me, is like, "Hey, bro, like, uh, you know, uh, what do you charge for exclusives? That kind of thing." And I told him the prices. And he's like, uh, he didn't tell me anything about like the, the Tory Lanez feature or nothing. Yeah. I found that out like the day the video came out, which is crazy. That's crazy. Because they probably didn't want to leak anything. Yeah. And I mean, that was, you know, and so uh, um, he, you know, he, they sent me my exclusive fee and then uh, they sent me a contract. And at, at the whole time of this, I have no idea who the fuck these dudes are. I, I didn't know who Nate Smalls was at the time. No way. And his name was never that. It was just like this guy, you know, it is like someone messaged you, hey man, how much yeah, should it be? Course. You know, it's on one price. And I was just happy to sell it. You know, and, and then like, yeah, several months later, he's like, Hey man, um, you know, we actually were doing shooting the video, all this stuff. And like, um, you know, we got Tory Lanez on the feature. I was like, Holy shit. You know? And then like the video, it's like the video is dropping tomorrow. Like he told me like, right. You know, after all. So, um, luckily, you know, and even in that moment, you know, right away I hit up, uh, luckily they were very fair with everything. And I got, you know, a publisher, but I, I did two, I did two consultations with two lawyers, Yeah, you know, and another producer to figure out like, Hey, what do I need to do to get everything, you know, handled for this type of shit? Because you see, you hear so many people getting played and luckily oh. I got, you know, all my royalties and I still, you know, get my royalties and everything's in fine that situation. So it's definitely the, the ideal experience of getting paid for your work and also again, because I'll tell you personally, I would have, I would have paid $3,000 for that placement myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because the amount of business that brought, the amount of business from the UK that came from that placement was insane. Kind of like I had like managers and artists uh, message me, hey man, we want a track just like that. Hey man, like what do you charge for custom? Like all that stuff. And wow. it was just that next level up. You know, of course, there's accumulation of, you know, 10 years of work, right? And yeah. All that. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a, an interesting experience. Yeah, that's, that's crazy to say that you didn't know it was going to happen. 
But like I said, it is the accumulation of 10 years of work. It's not like you just put out a couple beats and then that happened. It's everything that led up to that one moment. So that's exactly, crazy. Yeah. How do you feel about people? Because I imagine you get so many DMs from producers asking for collabs. How do you feel about turning people down? Because like we were saying earlier, people always want to use the people above them, if you know what I mean, just for, mm -hmm. for their own sake. Maybe, maybe they think it's going to get them a placement or the beat's going to sell. How do you feel about turning people down? Because sometimes you must feel bad saying no to people. Like you don't want to let them down. But at the end of the yeah. day, like you, you have the leverage. I mean, it is what it is. I think that, you know, people respond how they respond. I can't control that. Yeah. However they feel about it. But, um, you know, with, with collabs and everything, it's just, I understand where they're coming from, but it's always just what value can you also bring? And I'm a type of person, like I've done, for example, like DJ Payne one, I was, you know, a few years ago, like I always knew about him. I, I was a fan of his music, yeah. you know, and I was already at the level where I could have been like, Hey bro, what's up? Let's make some beats. But yeah. I don't like doing that type of shit. I was like, Hey man, what do you charge for a collab? Yeah. I was like, cool, let's do three. Now, after I ended up selling one of the beats. I was like, hey man, sold a beat, you know, send him the money, right, yeah. for uh, the, the split exclusive. And after I was like, hey, well, you know, let's continue working. Yeah. So like, I created a situation that I paid for first, but I proved myself. Yeah. And now we continue and I send him stuff and, you know, we, 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 in occasion we'll do collabs and stuff. So it's also, you know, can you be in a situation where you, you're bringing that value? Sometimes I had, I, you know, I could have said a few thing, different things and phrased them differently, but I didn't want to. Yeah. I didn't want to, because also it, it also shows that this person comes correct with the business side, because if he approached me saying, Hey man, I got a deal with this artist, this feature, you know, would you, you know, would you like to fade money on this? Or he already knows that I'm about business and he's someone, you know, I'm someone he can reach out to. Right. right. So that's what you're trying to do also is just create that uh, professionalism where people can reach out comfortably and, you know, create a certain situation, right. Whether it's a feature because if an artist hit me up saying, Hey man, I got a really cool song. I leased your beat. You know, I want to get, you know, so-and-so on the feature, uh, check out the song, you know, it's this much, like, would you be interested in paying? Like, I might be. Yeah. Because would there be, how do I calculate it? I can't calculate my return on that. But I know that if I create enough content around that song, around that situation, it will be worth it for me in the end. Of course, yeah. You know? 100%. But yeah, I think you're right with, I think there's nothing wrong with people paying for collabs. Um, I think it's a smart thing to do in a way. I think people should just not be scared of that at all, especially if they have no leverage, if they've got nothing to bring to the table in a way, maybe they're, they're okay at producing. But if you, if you wanted something, if you wanted to collaborate with someone that's on a bigger level, then I think people shouldn't be scared to just spend a bit of money. It's an investment at the end of the day, isn't it? It's a good investment in yourself and you could take pieces of content from it. People might come to your page and see, oh, this person's collabed with Gummy Beats. Let me check out his other work. He must be good. You know, little things like that. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Don't I mean, be it's 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 understanding that the content is worth more than even sometimes the money. Yeah. Because like, let's say you know you did a collab, you got a few sales, and that's it. Like, and those people who bought that collab, you know, that beat, are you reaching out to the artist? Are you gaining? Because like, you're just basically getting. I call it like an organic introduction. Right. Right. So instead of you paying for an ad, because you can pay for a Facebook ad and it disappears in 24 hours, yeah. right? or a SoundClick ad or YouTube, and right. But here's like potentially. Now, ideally, you do five collabs or something. Like, you, if you really want to, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, increase your chances, right? You figure out a budget and you show that, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to continue doing it, continue working with you. And if you can prove yourself on that matter or create enough content around that beat, because in six months, you have no idea, you know, where that, like, I have 30 collabs with Cash Money AP. Wow. I paid for every single one of them. Was that when you were still coming up? 
I wouldn't even say I was that coming up. I was making good money. I was already doing it simply really? because, hey, this is the top fucking producer on the planet yeah. on YouTube. Why wouldn't I want his name next to my name? Right. And that was like in 2017. And like, um, you know, now he's one of the biggest producers ever. Everyone knows him. I can take a beat. I can take one of those beats right now, post it on my Instagram, say, hey, check out the beat I did with Cash Money AP. Yeah. A bunch of people who didn't know about that beat now know about it. And because of that, you know, will think whatever about me, right? Like, right greater or whatever so like it builds your image and all that kind of stuff so you're investing in the person as well and doing that and figuring out you know did some some dope songs came out of that right of course yeah. there wasn't you know there wasn't no huge fucking placement that happened from that but there was a few songs that people did that got a few million views yeah. you know that i didn't get paid for i didn't get paid for any of that monetization they just leased you know like about an unlimited lease and ended up you know making a cool song and you know investing in building making great songs so it's just you know upping your chances as well you know, and I think like that, that content is also creating relationships and whatnot. Right. So the fact that I can reach out, if I need to reach out to him and, you know, if I have a business proposal or whatever it may be, right. I'm able to, you know, to do that. So, um, you know, it, it's a con and it's about, you know, having a budget for that every month. I do of like, whatever it is, like putting money aside, that's that sacrifice. Like, because you, like I said, when you do it nine times, that 10th time, it's going to be something. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to be that one that's going to make all the money back and make it worth it for you. Yeah, so don't just expect the the first one to sort out all of your problems. You got to try it a few well, times. Well, because not right? every beat's a hit, man. Like, you know, you, you not every beat's a hit, right? Like, you can't calculate all that stuff. Just like, you know, I've uh, produced for certain big artists that the songs didn't come out. Yeah. Because just the songs didn't end up being that good. Yeah. So they didn't release them, right? It happens. Of course. You know, I, had, I remember 10 years ago, I had songs written for Chris Brown that, you know, he recorded and this didn't come out because he records 100 fucking songs a year and yeah. you know and he chooses 12 for his album. album yeah and there's a lot of politics within that of like which out which ones make it and, and all that kind of stuff you know so that's just part of it of but you don't sit there and be thinking about what you did yesterday you think okay what else can i do today yeah yeah and then if something happens from it then that's a bonus but you can't just rely on that thing to happen you can't see the future exactly. basically yeah. yeah well yo i know um we've been speaking for a while now i'm sure you've got a lot of stuff to do so i won't i won't keep you any longer uh, man, I really, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You dropped so many gems for the community, so I can't wait to share it with everyone. Um, but yeah, no problem, just as a, as a last thing, where can people find you? Is there anything that you're working on that you want to share with people? Um, Gummy Beats, man, with a Z. At, uh, Instagram is the best way to reach me, message me. I respond to pretty much everyone, as long as it's not a spam message. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, any questions or anything, um, producerpower.org is a new yeah. site that I started in January this year. Uh, that's kind of, um, you know, building, it's got some free sample packs, a few courses and just kind of still building and figuring out what to do with it all. Um, but, um, yeah, that's where you can reach me. Perfect. Well, yeah, everyone, make sure you check out the link, go follow him on all socials and thanks for listening or watching and I'll see you next time.